All right, so we're going to get started today. Today, uh, when I'm going through the message, okay, as you know, the season title is, uh, by the way, I'm Michael Moray, in case you don't know. You're just saying happy birthday to me, but. But anyway, um, we're finishing the series today. Uh, next week, we do meet. It's going to be open mic, but the season series, How Should We Then Live? And we've talk, been talking about um, he who abides in me, all right? And, and today's message, today's message, I'm honored to talk about, and it's going to be called, Go Ye Therefore, because it's, most of the message today is based on um, Matthew chapter 28. However, this is my first experience with PowerPoint, and already this thing's giving me trouble, so you'll have to bear with me. It's going to be a new experience for me, so we'll see what happens here. All right, so, um, Go Ye Therefore. So, Mm -hmm. All right, so, so let's talk about this. I, I want to talk about today the last conversation that Jesus Christ had with his disciples before he left the earth, right? He, he, he was on the Mount of Olives, and he was, he was, he was talking to his disciples, and this is the, the, Matthew 28 is the last thing he said. So first of all, we're going to go to Matthew 28. You can see it on the screen there, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. But, but first I want to look at some background information before we go further into that command. Hallelujah. All right, first of all, this is Holy Week, right? First there was Palm Sunday. And as you know, on Palm Sunday, Jesus was cheered. He rides into Jerusalem on the cold, he was cheered, okay? Next we had Holy Thursday. On Holy Thursday, Jesus celebrates Passover with his disciples and then goes into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And Jesus is betrayed by Judas, right? But even before he was betrayed by Judas, you remember what happened in the garden, right? He told, the, he told his disciples, pray for me. I'm going to go off and pray. He comes back and finds him sleeping, right? And so, so then he goes back and, and, and he does it again, and, and they kept falling asleep. I understand it was late at night, but okay. So then the next thing was Good Friday, all right? We all know what happened on Good Friday. Hallelujah. People say, why is it called good? We better call it good, okay? The, the circumstances that happened and the beatings that Jesus took wasn't good, but it was good for us, amen? Because, because he was there in place of us, all right? So on Good Friday, Jesus is put on trial, falsely convicted by Jewish Sanhedrin, and brought before the Roman governor, okay? Jesus is jeered, dragged through the streets to his crucifixion. So, so say, maybe the same crowd, maybe it might have been different people, but the same crowd that just this past Sunday was cheering them, now they turned on them, right? Sunday morning, hallelujah, right? Jesus rises from the dead just as he said he would. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, 
We just come to you today humbled, Lord, for what happened on that holy week. And we come to you with all the praise that we can muster up for what happened on that Sunday morning. Because you see, on that cross on Friday, it was a conflict. Mercy, mercy in the center of that cross met judgment. But when Jesus walked out of that tomb on Sunday morning, mercy conquered. Mercy was the victory. And it's all because of what he did. And Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Father, let us hear your word today, not mine. Let me hear your word today. And be changed when we walk out of here because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Hallelujah. Okay. So, so before we go any further, what I want to look at is I want to look at all of Matthew 28. So let's look at that together, all right? You'd rather look at that than look at me anyway, so come on. So now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, let's listen to what happened here. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests, all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Some still doubt it. Three years walking with Jesus, and some still doubt it, the scripture says. Can you imagine? I can. I can imagine. Remember, they saw the veiled Jesus, as Pastor Seth talked about last week. They saw the veiled Jesus, not the Jesus in all his glory, okay? Not the Jesus that is face-to-face -face with, with us someday, as he's now. The same could be asked as us. 
even with the Holy Spirit in us, even with the word of God that was breathed personally by God to the writers, pointing to that glorified Jesus, I think we have to admit that sometimes we doubt. So yes, I can imagine. Men, the message of the Bible is current for today. That's why God wrote it down, and it's why it survived all these years to 2021, and will survive till heaven and earth pass away. Amen? Let's look at Matthew 5.18. Oh, man. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it is accomplished. I like the King James where it says, not one tittle. A tittle is a tiny part of one letter. So not even a tiny part of one letter will pass away until all is accomplished. So therefore, Jesus' command is still relevant for us today when he says, Go ye therefore. Jesus commands us to go to evangelize and make disciples. So why should we evangelize? Well, I came up with three. Looking through the internet, I came up with three reasons to start with. We evangelize if we love God, right? Mark 12, 30 says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. We evangelize. Mm -hmm. Okay. We evangelize if we want to obey God. Go ye therefore, Matthew 28, 30. 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. We evangelize because we have love for the lost. Matthew 7.12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And Mark twelve thirty one, or how about when Jesus asked what the great what, was asked what the great commandments was, he said the second is this: you should love your neighbor as yourself. So, so if we wish others, we wish others to treat us. Okay, if we weren't saved. And as we know, it's true that we can't get to heaven without Jesus Christ. Aren't we glad that somebody told us about that? Aren't we glad that somebody was bold enough to witness to us? And God's telling us, okay, do unto others as you would want them to do unto us. And God's also talking about the second great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. So see, there's a call out. There's a call out to evangelize today because God says to go out and make disciples. And one of the most famous theologians of the Reformation, John Calvin, 
okay, gives his reasons to evangelize. Let's take a quick look at them. Okay, God commands us to do it. Okay, Calvin says we should remember that the gospel is preached not only by the command of Christ, but at his urging and leading. We want to glorify God. That's a good reason. True Christians want to extend God's truth everywhere so that God can be glorified. That's what John Calvin said. He also said we want to please God. It's a, it's a sacrifice well-pleasing to God to advance the spread of the gospel. How about this? We have a duty to God. It's very just that we should labor to further the progress of the gospel, Calvin says. He adds, it's our duty to proclaim the goodness of God to every nation. Okay. We have a duty to our fellow sinners. Our compassion should be intensified by knowing that God cannot be sincerely called upon by others than those to whom, through the preaching of the gospel, his kindness and gentle dealings have become known. People have to hear the gospel. And in order to hear, there has to be someone to speak the gospel. And because we are grateful to God, we owe it to God to strive for the salvation of others. If we do not, we're behaving in a contradictory manner, Calvin says. Nothing can be more inconsistent concerning the nature of faith than that deadness which would lead a man to disregard his brethren and keep the light of knowledge in his own breast. So the question becomes, can we really call ourselves disciples of Christ if we don't want to satisfy the reasons for evangelizing? Go ye Therefore, evangelism is simply sharing the gospel of Christ with someone, which should be the lifestyle, really, guys, of all of us, right? It should be the lifestyle of every Christian. Keep in mind that the Lord himself on that mount instructed the disciples to do this, and God's word is for all time. You see, there can't be any discipleship without evangelism, right? Because every disciple, okay, has been evangelized. Evangelized, every disciple is saved, okay? If you're a disciple of Christ and you're following Christ, is what disciple means, you're a student of Christ, okay? You're saved, but, but not every Christian is a disciple, okay? Not every, not, not every Christian is a disciple because not every Christian is spreading the word. Not every Christian is teaching because God not only says to tell the gospel, but he also says that once the sinner is saved, we're to teach him all things that I have commanded you. So with that in mind, I need to pause right here, I guess. If I'm going to be a disciple, I need to pause right here and take care of some evangelism business. So, so there may be some guy in here that's, You've all heard the story, and I'm not going to tell it again, about Zacchaeus. And there may be somebody here today, maybe just one man, that came because they were curious about Jesus Christ. And maybe the Spirit 
you know, once the Spirit's nudging you on this, it's like, it, like Calvin calls it irresistible grace. So, so if the Spirit's been nudging you and you've never asked Christ to be your Savior, you're not going to be able to resist this. So I want, what I want to do is I want to pray. And it's not, it's, not, it's not the words of the prayer, okay? It's the condition of the heart. So, so you guys that are Christians, okay, we're all going to be disciples now because we're going to pray for that one that may be here. And it's also a good time to pray for your family members and your extended family that Jesus would nudge them today through his Holy Spirit because we, we don't want any of our relatives or friends to go to hell, amen? So if we're going to believe the gospel, if we're going to believe the gospel, they need to hear the word. So, so would you pray with me? Okay, so, so guys, pray for that one. If, if, if you're here today and you came just because, like Zacchaeus did when Jesus was in Jericho, you came because you're curious and you wanted to hear about this Jesus and the Spirit's nudging you. It's, it's simple, you know? We make it a stumbling stone, but it's not. Just bow your heart to Jesus, right? And Father, Father, I am a sinner. You know, because God says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a man in this room or a man on this earth that hasn't sinned. So to tell him, Father, I confess that I am a sinner and I repent from that sin. And ask Jesus right now, Lord, would you come and take first place in my life? I know that only you can save me. Tell him that. Would you come and take first place in my life and be my Lord and Savior? And Father, from this day, I will do all that I can to live for Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. You know, if you said that prayer for the first time, tell somebody. Tell your table leader. Tell somebody. We can pray for you. Praise God. All right? So, so we just did some disciple in business. Yeah, in addition to Jesus' command, as I said... There's additional reasons to evangelize. Let's take a look at a few. When we evangelize, we show love. It's all about love. God says, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, amen? So if we're going to walk in the Holy Spirit, we need to be walking in love. So if we know that the good news is how sinners can be saved from hell, then it's our duty to God, right, to evangelize and to tell them about the salvation in Jesus Christ. When we evangelize, our own faith is strengthened. Teachers know this. Okay, if you're going to teach a class, you're doing research. Okay, you're preparing for the lesson. And while you're researching, while I'm going through my Bible because I'm going to evangelize or I'm going to meet with somebody today and tell them about Jesus, I'm learning things. And the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. So, so that's another benefit. Okay, when we evangelize, our own faith is strengthened. Evangelism is an overflow of the hope that's within us, okay? If we have that hope within us, it spills out. It should spill out into the world. We're excited. We should be. 
sometimes we forget. Or how about we have a duty to God? We talked about that already. We have a duty to God to evangelize. And evangelism pleases the Lord. God is surely pleased, obviously, when we follow his command. And it is a command to evangelize and make disciples. Because what did he say? He said, go ye therefore. Yet you know what? Sadly, sadly, the importance of that message given to the disciples before Jesus went to heaven. So important that it was the last message he gave seems to have faded in our churches. It really has. Evangelism in this country seems to be dying. And look at the shape that a country that was founded on Judeo-Christian principles has found itself into. I believe it's past time, man, for pastors and for church leaders. That's us. I believe it's past time to even lie prostrate before a holy God and ask him to give us a new passion to evangelize, a new urgency for evangelism. I don't think we have time in this country to continue business as usual. We're men. We're supposed to be leaders. We're supposed to be leaders in our family. We're supposed to be leaders at our job. We're supposed to be leaders in community. We're supposed to be leaders in church. Yet why have so many of us abdicated that responsibility? Man, we need to wake up. A country is dying, and do we even care? What are we, as men, willing to do? Who in leadership are we willing to confront? We have a new pastor. It's great. I love, I love Seth, what he's doing so far. Who in leadership in each of our churches are willing, we willing to confront to demand that the church gives evangelism and discipleship a priority. We have so many programs. We need one for that. That's Jesus' last command. In order for the church to survive, I think this is necessary. And in order to take back this nation for Jesus Christ. Amen? We need to bring this good news. It's great news. Why are we keeping it to ourselves? Why am I keeping it to myself? We need to bring this good news to a lost and dying world. And once sinners become saved, okay, we don't drop it there. We need to disciple them. I'm so glad that Dave and Jesse have talked about this new program that we're going to launch and all already have some signups for mentoring. Okay, because once we're saved, okay, we need to disciple the young Christian so that their faith can bloom and so that they can be disciples who disciple other men. It starts with you. 
it starts with me, no matter how small a part you think we might play. Men, if we avoid this topic, we're avoiding the Bible. Because all throughout Scripture bears the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ is what saves us and needs to be spread. God's kingdom needs to be spread to a dying world. Go ye therefore. We must remember too that Christ's commission is more than just an evangelistic thing calling sinners. I've been stressing this. It's also the the necessity to teach, to teach the saved so that all can come to the knowledge of the truth. And this commission has no respect to our persons, right? The gospel, we're to preach the gospel, the great commission says, to the young, to the old, to the rich, to the poor, to men, to women. You see, God's love is so great that it encompasses the whole world. Like the song used to say, he's got the whole world in his hands. And yet he put us on this earth, saved us, and gave us a job to do. How well are we doing that? It's time. It's time. If you don't want to lose this country that was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, where it was okay to read the Bible, where it was okay to have a manger scene on the street, where it was okay to pray in school. One by one, every single thing has been taken away. You know what? The world has said, Christ, your time, on the, your time is on Sundays from 9 to 10 and from 11 to 12. And pretty soon, that will be taken away if we as Christian men do not act. We need to spread God's kingdom to every corner of this earth. Where are the men? Where are you? Where am I? Go ye therefore. No spectators. No more spectators, please. Sometimes we sign up. I know in this church, every church, we sign up for so many programs, so many leadership programs. It reminds me of the people that keep going to college for their bachelor's, for their master's, for their, I knew somebody like this, for their PhD, switching fields, master's, new PhD. And you know what? They never go to work. A few years ago, I turned the coin right in there at a leaders meeting about hamster Christians. We get on this education wheel, get on this program, sign up for that. These are all great programs. But we never get off the wheel to go to the outside community and talk about Christ. Go ye therefore. He didn't say stay here. He said go ye therefore. But you know what? With this command, Jesus gives us a wonderful promise. And that promise is I will be with you always, even to the end 
of the age. Like Moses, I stutter, I stutter, I can't do that, I stutter. Well, I'm not the evangelism kind. You know, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say, I feel funny. You don't have to know what to say. You're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. At that time, God says, Jesus says, I am with you. And he knows what to say, amen? You know, when Jesus was here on earth, he veiled, he veiled, as Seth said, he veiled all that glory. He can only be at one place at a time. But now Jesus is in millions of places, okay? He's in millions of places at one time because he's in you. And, and, and the Holy Spirit is all over, okay? So, yes, yeah, Seth said it's much better now. Jesus said it, right? It is good for you that I go and send the helper, Amen. Someday we'll get to see him face to face, but now we have him in our heart, and he'll tell us what to say. Men, at the very end of the age, when Christ returns, wouldn't it be wonderful if he found us doing his work? Wouldn't it be wonderful if that instant we were witnessing to somebody to the loss for their last chance, for their last chance to be saved? It's not us that do the saving. Don't get me wrong. If God's calling that man to be saved, he will be saved. You know what will happen? We lose out on the blessing of being used by Christ to do his work. Do we really love Jesus? I have to ask myself this. A lot of times the answer is no. Do we really love Jesus like we say we do? And as he commands us to, come on, guys, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your spirit, with everything you got. Love me. Men, only by bringing, sincerely bringing praise and glory to God can our lives be transformed. The Bible says, be ye transformed. We can only do that by bringing praise and glory to God. And praise is not simply with our mouth. Praise must be in the form of loving God and obeying his commands. And then that praise is a tremendously powerful tool. Because if we're praising God, not just with our mouth, okay, but loving him with our hearts like he wants to, with everything about us, and following his commands, here's what praise will do for you, for me. It'll open our eyes to see God more clearly. It'll wake up our minds from all spiritual slumber and worldly desensitization. I can't believe I got that word out. It'll lift up our heads from discouragement and appointment. They're up there. Disappointment. It'll fill our hearts with joy, with peace, with satisfaction. It'll give up our sins through submission, surrender, repentance. It'll cast out our anxieties through trust in God's love. It'll heal our souls from pain and sorrow. 
It'll bolster and shore up our faith, and it'll build fellowship and unity in the church, which is so well needed today. God is looking for men to change the world. God is looking for you. God is looking for me. I believe he is again looking for men to stand in the gap as he did in Ezekiel 22-30 to save a nation. And he found none. He looked around and he found none. Men, will we sit on, you and me, will we sit on the sidelines and be spectators? Or will you and I be the ones in this country to stand in the gap for Jesus Christ and take back this nation? Will you and I continue to be spectators, be spectators as our nation dries up and withers like that unproductive fruit tree and fig tree until it dies? Or will you and I be like Isaiah? In Isaiah 6, 8, when he said to the Lord, Here am I, send me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it's an awakening message. It's a call to arms. It always has been. Father, wake us up. Wake us up in this church, in every church across this land. Wake us up and re-energize us to make disciples. But to make disciples, you need to evangelize. Give us the courage. Give us, give us the courage as your servants, Lord. To, in the simplest ways possible, to tell others about Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that through your word, I leave here today and every man leaves here today changed because he knows your son a little bit more. I thank you, Father, and I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.